A practical prayer is a prayer that works. These discussions between Reverend Bill Marcioni and Carol Lawrence dive into the details of how it works and how to work it. Reverend Bill is a new thought minister and the author of Practical Prayer for Real Results. Your new life begins with a new thought. Carol Lawrence is on a spiritual quest, finding the new thought teaching after decades on the pulpit in three different traditional denominations. I've got some questions. Together, they're exploring the philosophy and activities that come together from many of the world's religions to create the practical spirituality that is new thought. Welcome to the Practical Prayer Podcast. I'm Carol Lawrence, and I'm here with Reverend Dr. Bill Marcioni, and we're going to talk today about... A topic that you jumped over when it came up a little bit earlier, and I would sacrilegiously call it, Where's Jesus? But the question is, after all of the time that you spend in traditional religion and Christianity, and having Jesus as Savior be so central to that, as you get into conversations with people from that world... How do you do it? Because you're speaking a different language, a different philosophy, and a different theology at this point. It's a delicate dance, and that's how I look at it. I relate to music a lot, and sometimes I just go to that rhythms and dance to help myself flow into whatever it is I'm doing, including conversations. And I was sharing with you at one point that when I was young and spending six days a week in Bible study. And then when I got to the teen level, we were giving out tracts. That was our responsibility. And if you'll recall, when the gallery was first built in Philadelphia, I don't know what year that was, but it was really early because everybody was so excited to be there. And we were sent to give tracts out because we were told that the whole world wanted Jesus the whole world needed Jesus, and everybody was excited to receive Jesus and all of that business. And so we would go there on Saturdays and whatever other times we were assigned and give out tracts. And, you know, people would just like drop them on the ground or refuse to take them. And we were even given some understanding as to why people did that. They didn't want to live holy. There was always an excuse, a logical reason why people didn't embrace this Jesus. And so that's what I came up under. But it's very different in New Thought, and the Jesus in New Thought is very different. And let me say this, it's just a lot of moving parts to this Jesus. There are those who think that there was no historical Jesus, and then there are other groups that think Jesus represented things that he did not. So I have all of that in my head when I'm encountering anybody, really, and so included in the traditional Christian company that I may be in, I'm also in the company of people who are, the traditional church uses the terminology unchurched. I prefer to say those who don't find their place or their comfort zone in the local church. And so that kind of puts everybody on the same playing field in my mind, because you don't want to hear from me, really. You know, <laughs> so you know what? <laughs> the traditional Christian don't want to hear about what I think about Jesus, and those who don't find their place in church, they're too scared to talk to you because they think you're shoving Jesus down their throat. So I enjoy the dance. 
Yeah. The term that I've been using is spiritual but not religious, which actually is an abbreviation SBNR. And there are there's an increasingly large group of people who are spiritual but not religious who understand there's something to this Jesus thing or there's something to this Buddhist thing or there's something to this Muslim thing and maybe there's more to it than that. And a lot of it is if one of them is right, if you have to be saved by the blood of Jesus in order to be successful and effective in completing your life here on earth, then what about the other billions of people? And what about the millions or billions who were here before Jesus? Because the timeline goes back, even if we're just doing the 6,000 years since Genesis, there was a big chunk of time where people couldn't be saved. And what about them? And it just leaves a lot of questions. So the idea is that there's something else that's there. One of the things that you and I have in common is a fondness for the red letter Bible. And for the folks who aren't familiar with that, it's all of the words that are actually attributed to Jesus, the quotes are printed in red and the rest of the Bible is printed in black. And so it's really easy to see this is what the Bible scholars say that Jesus said. And I understand that that's continuously being debated. There are new red parts being added every once in a while. And there are red parts that are turned black every once in a while because somebody either wins or loses an argument. Obviously all of the red letters are in the new Testament because that was his book. And they're all in the first four chapters and everything else in the Bible pretty much was things that people said about Jesus and the stories that people were relating to make the message that Jesus carried carry further. And to my way of thinking, and I think to yours as well, the farther you get away from the red letters, the less reliable the whole thing is. And conversely, the more you stick with the red letters, the more clear and easy the message is. Like all this I do, you can do and more. It is not me, but the Father within who doeth the work. And Jesus is talking about love and healing and transformation. And a lot of the other stuff got added on by other people who had an agenda. And I'm glad you said that love, healing, and transformation. And that's the bridge that I use. I don't want to make it sound like I'm intentional, like everybody I speak to, I'm trying to you know, recruit them to anything. It is not that. But you used the term spiritual and not religious. And some people, they don't know the difference. So that's a good talking point. And others don't even know that there's anything to be other than religious. And they're really happy to find out that there is a difference. And if you want to maintain a connection with God, which a lot of people do, you know, they may not want to be in church or committed, but they know that there's God of somewhere, some kind of God, and they're open and welcoming of you to maybe explain that and bring them together with God with some sense of understanding. But what was important about what you said is love, healing, and transformation. And everybody is in need of that at some point in their lives, no matter who it is standing before me. I'm always conscious of the desire for love. There may be an absence of it, healing, and everybody wants something changed. You know, everybody wants something. And yeah, so that's what I, we're here for. Yeah. As we go through life, we're here to embody whatever the gifts are that we have. And there's a yearning for something wonderful. Knowing that and speaking and interacting with people from that perspective, 
rather than having Jesus, I want to offer you Jesus, offering them a Jesus that they don't feel that they need or see no need for doesn't make any sense. But in the area of if I connect with you in terms of unconditional love and acceptance on my part, that makes it really open and welcoming. You know, and I can't tell you how many people will say to me, I've never met anybody who has just accept me the way I am. I don't want to designate any specific group because I didn't ask you if I could do that before. But let's just say there's a lot of different people on the earth that live a lot of different lifestyles. Mm -hmm. And I don't really care, you know, about your lifestyle. It doesn't mean I'm brushing you off. It's that I care about you. And how you live is important to me if you need help or desire in doing that in a more comfortable way, not to change you. You know, and Jesus doesn't come up all the time. Eventually, yes. Yeah. But the one that is most important is God, is spirit, you know, which kind of, I guess it's, to me, is like not the back door to Jesus, but the front door. Mm -hmm. And offering people a God that they have some willingness to give a shot at, as opposed to Jesus, works better, I think. Yeah. I found myself having a conversation with a very enthusiastic Christian woman, and it was a wonderful conversation. She kept on talking about Jesus and all the wonderful things that Jesus was doing in her life, and how she kept on seeing the face of Jesus in the toast, and then she would unroll the sheets, and there would be the image of Jesus, and she's telling me all of those stories. And then she's telling me about the wonderful feeling of love and support and comfort and certainty and faith that she got through that belief. And I'm hearing two different, not really connected stories. One is about her and the life experience that she's having. And the other part is about how much she's attaching to the importance of Jesus doing it for her. And interesting for me to hear, didn't bring it up with her because she wouldn't have been able to hear that at all. And what I'm noticing is that's the flip side of wanting to blame God when things don't go our way. It's about being able to put the power outside of ourselves. And when it happens, then it was Jesus brought that good into my life rather than I opened myself and let go of my resistance and allowed the good into my life. Because that way, when something doesn't go the way we wanted, it's because God didn't want to, or we didn't appease Jesus the right way, or whatever that combination is. And I absolutely understand that way of thinking, but it leads you right to a, slamming into a brick wall. Because you could get stuck in this place of going nowhere. And so you proclaim a happiness where you are with certain things that are happening. But we all have deep desires and dreams. And I take it back to when we were children. There were things that we dreamed about. You know, it's like Walt Disney. And you lived in Disneyland for a while, and then real life set in, and you forgot that happiness and joy and freedom that you felt when you lived in a kind of Disney world. Mm. And I think that if living spiritually is as freeing as it's cracked up to be in scripture, then Disney World is a real place. Yeah. That feeling of Disney is a real place. And why would God not want you to have this or that? And I mean, there's all kinds of excuses. I did this wrong and I, I made that mistake. And uh, listen, flat out, I was sinning and such and such and such. 
it's too much. It's too much trouble. You know, it's like <laughs> the book is just too thick. And God is not, I can't even imagine God going, why would God create me just to be mad at me? You know, give me free will and then say, well, because you didn't behave, I still love you, but you're going to hell. I mean, the whole thing just falls apart mm-hmm. when you really think about it. Yeah, it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Yes. It doesn't say anything about a price of admission. It doesn't say anything about you got to earn it. It doesn't say anything about deservability. It is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And we can pretty much figure what the kingdom means because they use that a lot. And it's available. It's right there. It is here for us. Let's take a break and come back and talk about Arthur Murray Dance Lessons. Get inspiration in an instant. God calls are the gentle and uplifting moment of truth to help you remember that the bright light of God's love is shining right now as you. It's your God call with Reverend Bill. Start your two-week free trial today and you'll get a phone call four times a week from Reverend Bill with an uplifting half-minute message filled with insight, wisdom, story, and fun. Let your light shine. You can answer the call to listen to it live or let it go to voicemail so you can hear it later. After the free trial, your subscription is just $5.95 a month. The details are at godcall.org. God calls are disruptive, intentionally. Whenever you write something, put on a gold star. They take you away from your routine to remind you about the truth of who you really are. They come at random times between 8.15 a.m. and 6 p.m., so you won't be expecting them. And somehow, the message is exactly what you need to hear at the time. Magic is loose in the world. It's a moment of motivation in the middle of your day. Find out more and start your two-week free trial now. Welcome back to the Practical Prayer Podcast. I'm Carol Lawrence here with Reverend Dr. Bill Marcioni, and we're going to talk about a dance. It's not just a dance. We're <laughs> going to talk about Arthur Murray dance lessons. So I have not taken Arthur Murray dance lessons. It's something that's been around forever. And that's the one where they put the numbered footprints on the floor, and you learn to dance by stepping from one to two to three to four to five to six to seven to eight, and then and your partner has different colored ones facing the opposite direction, and you can learn to do the waltz or the cha-cha or whatever it is by following the steps and the numbers. And that is a wonderful way to learn to dance for the people who that works for. In a lot of ways, that's like traditional religion. Do these things the way that you're instructed, follow the steps, and you're one of us and you're taking care of your spiritual life. To me, that's religion. And spirituality is listening to the music and getting into the groove and finding your partners and moving with them and understanding what's going on. And it's a much more organic dance. There are not nearly the number of predefined solutions because you're working it out, especially if you're improvising with the partner. The difficulty, the challenge comes in when somebody is doing the Arthur Murray pattern and they say, could you please turn the music off? I'm trying to count. (laughs) (sighs) Mm. Because to me, that's missing the point. Perfect analogy. 
it's about connecting with the feeling rather than doing the steps. And to me, that's spiritual, but not religious is, okay, I know what the steps are. I don't have to have them put down on the floor in front of me and I can go in a different order. Mm -hmm. That's a great analogy because in spirituality, there is such a freedom to flow with an internal voice or an internal leading, if that's the correct way to say it. I'm still searching for words, you know, because I don't want to sound like weird and hooey, but to me, it makes so much sense to just hear that voice inside and not have to measure it against, is it okay? And what's the consequence to this and that? And I don't see a real connection, an authentic connection with God if you do the Arthur dance steps. It was really helpful. And I can imagine when you were in your youth group and in your teen group that having those steps in common and doing those with a group and understanding the framework that you were in let you connect really deeply in that group because it gave you a common language, gave you that ability to connect and talk to each other about these stories. So the steps are really helpful for getting started. It's just, you know, it's time to leave childish things behind. It's a big world. And you're right. You're absolutely right. There is a comfort in belonging and people, you know, everybody wants to belong. You used the term earlier, one of us. Certainly that's important. But let me reflect back on those times when I was down on Market Street and 10th giving out (laughs) tracts. There were other groups there also, you know, giving out their papers or whatever they were doing. And I remember there were Buddhists there. And they had on the long, I guess some called the yellow dress or something. They saffron robes, yeah. All kind of groups were there. And I would be curious because I thought, I'm really into this. And they were nice to us. They were nice to us. But some of us in our group were not nice to others. And that's, you know, I used to question that a lot. This thing about love and God, it has to be across the board. I can't accept it if it is not. So if you tell me God is good and God is loving, except when I meet someone who's a Muslim or a Buddhist, then I'm kind of wondering, somebody's got this wrong. It's either you got it wrong or God's (laughs) got it wrong. So could we just get this out of the way? And that's when I started getting shunned. Yep. Yep. And This is, at its core, a teaching of oneness, and that is the heart of what New Thought has, is that there is one, one power and presence, one love, one source, one creator. That's God, and it's not God that created us separate from God. It's God that shared itself to create us, and that becomes the same story that we hear. I often go back to creation stories. Whatever our creation story happens to be, we can all trace it back to the one. In the beginning, darkness and void and God. And there was only God. God said, let there be light. And that's the same story as I have mentioned numerous times behind the Big Bang and any other creation story. Started out with just God. And if there's just God, then what's God going to make creation out of other than itself? It's not God and a whole bunch of raw materials over there. It's it's being being third-partied. We are free to believe whatever it is that we want to believe. And if we believe that we are saved because of our belief in Jesus or because we are following the Quran or uh, we're doing whatever practice we're doing, that's 
fine because it's working for us. I have my practice and it's working for me. And I also know some very spiritual people who are devout Catholics and that's working for them. And it's fine right up until the point of being in judgment about somebody else's practice. Oh, you are going to hell because you're a sinner, because you don't believe what I believe. And now suddenly in this universe of oneness, we've introduced separation and we've done it on behalf of the one. And that's where the crazy starts. Absolutely. Okay. So it works fine if it's your belief. And I want to say until it doesn't work for you. And here's my real life example. I was in a fundamentalist Baptist church and it was wonderful wonderful. I'm telling you, we were there. Everybody was loving everybody. And we were in Bible study and we couldn't stand it on whatever night of the week the church was closed. You know, we didn't know what to do with ourselves. (laughs) But here's when life gets real. I was divorced and nobody knew that. And I didn't know it made any difference. And so when you're talking and people share, and I just said, yeah, I'm divorced. I'm more just getting divorced or whatever it was at that time. And I was, long story short, I became a leper, instantly a leper. And they showed me all the scriptures and told me all the terrible things were going to happen to me. And then I was daring to get married again. And, you know, my kids were going to be blind, deaf, and crazy. And just all these kind of hateful things. So that's when it wasn't working for me. Now, that's a terrible place to get to. And what I'm extremely sensitive to is that you know, I got survival skills. So I, re- <laughs> you I made remember. it through. Yeah. And also, I think because I kind of had some doubts to begin with, you know, from way back. But I remember the day I walked out of the church and I thought, I said to myself, and I heard myself say it, this is the last time I'm coming here. Hmm. God, I don't want the God they have. This is not the God I know, the God they're talking about. And I had been there for years. Yeah, And I said, this is not the God that I know. I'm never coming back here again. And as I walked to my car, I said, God, it's me and you. However it works out, it's me and you. And I never went back and I never looked back. But everybody doesn't do that for whatever reason. I mean, it takes some guts to do that, I think. Exactly. It takes some guts. It takes some fortitude. It takes some discipline to be able to turn our back on something that has been so comfortable, so familiar, and so central. I mean, six nights a week you're in Bible study and you're pining for it the seventh night, and then you're suddenly going to walk away from the six that you've got and all the friends and everything else. That's huge. And not know where I'm going. Oh, well, yeah. We just never do. But I never will ever, nor do I desire to forget that day. Because when I meet people, there are a lot of people that are there Mm. for different reasons, and they just need a hand. I said, I'll help you across this bridge. Or I know what it's like to be on that side with no one, you know? And just let me just throw this in. You know, I didn't have any friends after that cut off, right? And my sister was there. She didn't know what to do. So she stayed with the group that was comfortable. And my mom turned on me. She's Pentecostal. She turned on me because you are never supposed to get divorced and, you know, the whole thing. So it was like being alone in the world. And I'm not trying to tell a sad story. The question was how I relate to people that are in traditional Christianity or not in church at all. 
It's through the reality of what we feel as human beings. We do feel separated. Sometimes we feel different kind of hurts, whatever. That's common to everybody, mm-hmm. whether Jesus is in the picture or not. Right. And so the answer to the question is, that's how my dance is. It's where we are as human beings. I can feel your pain. I can see it in your eyes. I can hear it in your voice. Yeah. And I just want you to know that I'm not going to hurt you and no one has the right to hurt you. Beautiful. And, yeah. And the experience that you have lets you establish rapport and empathy for people who are going through either that or something similar to that. When you were talking, <laughs> it occurred to me what Jesus did with the lepers. Because everybody who's staying away from the lepers because lepers are bad and dangerous, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you referred to when you were getting a divorce, you became a leper. And Jesus went and sat down with the lepers and loved on them. And it's really easy to forget that we're supposed to be doing exactly what he was doing. He is our example of what it is that we can do. When I'm having a conversation with somebody, I approach it that everybody believes new thought. They just may or may not know it. And the reason that everybody believes at their heart new thought is because we keep on trying to find what is true. Does this work? And that's the thing that makes it scientific. It's based on a principle. And if the principle works anywhere, it works everywhere. It works for me and it works for everyone. And I'm constantly looking for examples of when it doesn't work. And if I dig down far enough, I have not found that this understanding of how the world works is flawed. Sometimes it's really challenging to work it. It's also why the entire belief system is in one long-winded sentence. We believe there's one power, love, intelligence, or force that creates everything, including each of us. And then we use that same power, love, intelligence, or force to create our lives according to our beliefs. That's the creed. That's the whole belief system. And we've seen that replicate itself in Christianity and in all of the faith traditions. It's the same thing over and over again. And the difference that, that between them is that they have a different prophet who was at a different time explaining the story in a slightly different way. And everybody who is involved in their religion is pointing to them as the prophet, the avatar, the incarnation of the infinite as the exception. And my understanding is you can believe in they're the exception and they're not. And eventually there's the possibility of understanding that they're not or why they're not. And what that leads to is the belief that I have. And I am not pushing anybody to get into it. I am perfectly willing to wait for them to come to it themselves. And I think they do if they feel comfortable. It's easier if they have somebody who's there and just kind of reaching out your hand. Everybody's not like me, like I'm just, you know, okay, fine, I'm going on my own and I'll find, somebody will find me out there. You know, there's a God and God loves me and I might be a little bit confused about what denomination God is really in, but God created me, so God will find me somewhere. And New Thought has even emphasized that stronger by saying God is in me. So now when I think about that story that I was telling you, I get a little cocky. Right. <laughs> oh my God, I left. This was God leaving. I even God didn't like y'all. So. <laughs> well, let me ask you if they hadn't shunned you, 
if they hadn't given you a hard time and made you that unwelcome, would you have left? You know, I'd have to say probably because there's just so many life dynamics. You can't there if that made me question the situation I was in right then, but there would have been other questions. There would have been other situations, you know. Beautiful. And that's why we say that when God calls, you can resist, then God will call back. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. Yes. That is so exactly right. Yeah. All right, let's take a break, and when we come back, we are going to do a prayer, and it's going to be a prayer for openness and depth in our spirituality. Learn to put practical prayer to work in your life. The steps are simple to learn and let you begin to get real results to create the life of your dreams immediately. Reverend Bill Marcioni's widely acclaimed book, Practical Prayer for Real Results, gives you a clear summary of the new thought principles behind practical prayer and the series of easy-to-understand steps found in the most effective prayers from religions and spiritual practices all over the world and throughout history. Practical prayer is not a replacement for your religion or practice. It's a technique to make the work you do in consciousness even more effective. The book includes 40 prayers on various topics that you can adapt as needed and use as your own. Practical Prayer for Real Results is available in paperback, Kindle, and audiobook on Amazon or at b-the-light.com. That's b-the-light.com. Welcome back to the Practical Prayer Podcast. I'm here with Reverend Dr. Bill Marcioni. We've had a great conversation so far. I don't want to quit, but... (laughs) (laughs) Well, we won't quit. We'll just pause until the next episode. That's the magic of doing this on an ongoing basis. I love the word magic. You know that, right? Because it's just so appropriate for all of this. It is. And Arthur C. Clarke described this one of his three laws was that any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. And he's absolutely right. When we don't understand how it works, it's magic. Yeah, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of that. And even when we understand kind of how it works, it's still magic. And sometimes the blessings show up so quickly. The transformation happens so instantaneously that it becomes breathtaking. It's like, whoa, That was really cool. (laughs) How did that happen that fast? So we're going to do a prayer. And the prayer is going to be about deepening into our spiritual awareness of the divinity within. Because regardless of what our spiritual practice is, regardless of what religion we were brought up in, whatever it is that we're practicing now, there is one thing that we all have in common. And what we have in common is that we are all individualizations of that one infinite creative power. And remembering that even more deeply allows us to bring more good into our lives, whatever way we're describing our good. So we'll turn our attention away from the world around us. It's a nice world. It's got all of our stuff in it. And it's not limited to just that. We live in an infinite universe. There is one infinite creative power that creates everything, that is everything, that shares itself as all of its creation. 
we call it spirit, God, nature, the infinite. It's the big bang. It's the center and circumference of everything that exists. It is one. And everything in the universe is that one expressed in its own way. All of the planets in the farthest galaxies, all the people in the world around us, all the particles that are swirling around that create all of the matter that we see, it's all that one expressed in its own way. And that same thing is true of me and of each person who's listening to this. We are spiritual beings having a physical experience. Sometimes it's been described as we are spiritual beings having a spiritual experience in physical form. The truth is that we are that divine essence right here, right now, and always. And as we open ourselves to the awareness of that divinity that's within, as we open ourselves to that knowing that as we are connecting with that God essence, with the creator, it is not something that happens outside. We don't point to the sky. We don't point to the world around us. We go within. Because that divine power and presence is within each of us. And regardless of the words that we use to describe it, regardless of the framework or the context that we use to practice it, at our heart and core, we are that one. We are that divine power and presence. That infinite intelligence that knows everything, that has created everything, has created each of us. And that's the same intelligence that we're using. It's not like there can be a second intelligence. We have access to all of the knowledge, all of the wisdom, all of the good that's available anywhere. It's at hand right now. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And I know that in whatever way is most uplifting to each of us, that good is being revealed even more richly and joyously and sweetly and fully in our lives. It shows up in lots of different ways. As we let loose our control and our attachment to how things need to fit together or how we want them to go, as we open ourselves up to the feeling and flavor, the tone and texture of the experience we want to have, that infinite creative power creates it. It is responding to that conscious intention and creating newness for us in every moment. And so I know that this newness is blessed. It is good and more good, as we would describe and define it, coming into our experience. And we are each guided into exactly that which is good for us, sometimes in completely predictable and expected ways, and sometimes in novel and unexpected ways. Good is upwelling and flowing to and through and as us right now. And I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for the good. I'm grateful for the willingness of each one listening to dive into this practice, to open to this newness, to do the dance with that infinite creative power that has created everything and allow it to dance even more richly as us. And so this feeling of thanks, I speak this word of intention and I release it into the creative law that has created everything. And I now know it's creating this. And I let it be. And so it is. And so it is. So perfectly beautiful. Thank you. The 
Practical Prayer Podcast with Reverend Bill Marcioni and Carol Lawrence is a production of BeTheLight.com. Be-the-light.com. Where you can find more information about practical prayer for real results. Our theme is by Music of Wisdom. You can learn about the spiritual community of New Thought Philadelphia with daily guided meditations, weekly celebrations of spirit, and Reverend Bill's classes in practical spirituality at newthoughtphilly.org.